Hi, hello and welcome to episode 14 of The Money Talks, uh, season one. And uh, it's, again, an amazing night. I've got an amazing entrepreneur in front of you, somebody uh, who's done it all, right? And so we're going to have uh, somebody who's been a cricket player, he's been a coach, he's coached people to, to, uh, to win the World Cricket Championship. He's, uh, he's starred in a movie, he's, uh, you know, he's, he's a commentator, he's an anchor. There's just too many things. I could take an hour just to describe everything he does. So I'm going to let that come in through the flow of the conversation today. But it is extremely an important pleasure for me to, uh, to welcome Suhail Chando, the co-founder of Kabaddi Adda, a company that we funded in the seed round uh, on the show. Uh, Suhail, welcome. How are you? Thanks, Eddie. Thanks for a, a very, very nice, generous introduction. Uh, I, I'm, I'm sure it could also take just five minutes to explain all of what I've done, but you made it sound uh, very, very exciting. But look, it's been it's been an awesome journey and, and it's been a great journey since we've sort of met in 2019 and been part of the Kabaddi Adda journey. So yeah, looking forward to this. So great. And so, well, I, I know we, we talked about this, uh, I think, day before yesterday or yesterday when we were, when we were having a chat, you said it's, the, it's very rare that you're on the other side. Yeah. Of, an, of, of, of this conversation. So, so I'm, I'm going to try to make it as hard as you've made it on players in the past. It's a nice and, feeling and, to not do the research, Eddie. Eh? That's all I can say. I, it's, <laughs> it's nice to sit back and answer questions for a change. It's good. Well, well, the thing is, yeah, yeah hopefully we've done our research this time. So, <laughs> you know, we've got some big, big boots to fill up. But before we do that, you know, Sohel, from, from your perspective, from your, from your mouth, maybe you can tell the viewers what, what is Kabaddiada, what does it do? So Kabaddi Adda essentially is uh, a platform that is a content uh, and media platform that is also a strong distribution network. Uh, and the aim of Kabaddi Adda was to connect the entire Kabaddi ecosystem, right? To, to be the voice for fans, to be the connect between fans and players, uh, and also to be a platform where you just get great content all year round about Kabaddi. I mean, I've had the privilege of working on the Pro Kabaddi League since 2014, since its inception. Uh, and we saw 435 million viewers in that first season of Pro Kabaddi, right? Wow. But we noticed that there's nine months outside of Pro Kabaddi as well. And the appetite for Kabaddi, therefore, is huge across the country. And we're not just talking about tier two to tier five cities, you know, and towns where we're talking about the urban cities as well today. So we saw this need and the appetite for Kabaddi and came up with uh, obviously Kabaddi Adda. Uh, we came in with the mindset of being the cricket info of, of Kabaddi in some sense. Uh, but I think we've developed into being the, the house of highlights of Kabaddi, slash the cricket for Kabaddi as well. And um, look, honestly, it, it's been nice and it's been a, a steady journey of growth. And today we're trying to sort of move into the gaming side of things. And uh, COVID has taught us a few different lessons on how to pivot as well a little bit. Yeah, I'm sure we're going to get into that. But but just just for just for everyone's uh, convenience, uh, 435 million people is one and a half times the population of the United States. So that's a huge number especially for a non-cricket sport, right? Because I could imagine IPL and the World Cup, Cricket World Cup having huge numbers. But you're talking about Kabaddi, right? A and that's just one season. Exactly. And, and, you know, a sport that most of us, I don't even think could recollect ever yeah. watching as children, right? I think we were all cricket, maybe some field hockey uh, yeah. and, and basketball. We were all into like NBA, yeah, yeah. like, you know, stuff like that. But now Kabaddi, look, look, look at the way it's come back. And, and to be honest, I didn't know how... Uh, what an urban revolution Kabaddi was till Arvind took me for a Kabaddi game in Bangalore on a Monday night. And it was yeah. a packed stadium and it was so much fun. We, I think we, we saw like three games yeah. in a matter of one and a half hours or two hours, something like that. Yeah. And, and, and it was 
it was amazing that you could see so many games have so much action there was people in the stadium it was i would say almost 85% full on a monday night and the home team wasn't even playing yeah. right yeah. and that that was really something to you know for, for me was like was an eye opener that you know yeah. i probably I had not realized how big it was yeah you know that that's the thing right i think uh, even for me i'll be very honest 6 years ago i didn't ever think i would sit here and be called a kabaddi analyst and commentator right there's no <laughs> way yeah, I, i would have anticipated that but i think what's been incredible is is honestly when you come to the stadium and you would have noticed this right when you come to the stadium the cool thing about kabaddi which i've not noticed with any other sport and i've watched a lot of sport trust me growing up and calling a lot of sport today as well from stadiums is that you see entire families turning up right and maybe that's because our grandparents were all growing up on kabaddi right it was very special to them the kids today find kabaddi cool again so there's the grandparents and parents and then the parents are now the kebab mein haddi where they have to turn up right so uh in a way you've sort of got all three generations now roped in to watch kabaddi and all of them are turning up you've got such a high percentage of women watching kabaddi as well i mean my wife is addicted to kabaddi doesn't watch cricket but loves kabaddi so you know it's i think the fast paced nature as you said in 2 hours you're watching two games right and yeah. and two fledge games so i think it's got all the ticks to to have a success story and it has over the last 6 uh, years it's been it's been amazing i mean and, and you know I, i think it has it, it's like american football it has the contact element it's got it's got all the drama i mean i sitting yeah. next sitting next to sitting next to uh, arvind i felt i was in the middle of some some soap opera that was happening yeah. and and because you just knew this one that one and what's going on over here and there but but we will get into that i i think i think kabaddi itself is so exciting i think we'll 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 get sidetracked if we don't start talking about the flow that we discussed <laughs> but that being said you know let, let's let's have a chat uh, about your journey right and then we'll get into why you're part of kabaddi at that so yeah. you obviously come from from a sports family right and and, and you know fa- your father is it was a race car driver yeah. brother is the well known you know karun chandok again a formula 1 driver he's now in in the formula e circuit i believe And, yeah. and, uh, and and then you've been a cricketer right and and so yeah. let, let's discuss like what was it like growing up and what made you take up sports well i guess uh, sport is all around me as you said i grew up in sport my grandmom used to rally and race uh, my granddad wow. uh, then founded motorsport pretty much uh, in, in many ways in india my dad as you said was a racing and rally driver my brother was on four wheels was a formula 1 driver now works with sky sports as a as an f1 pundit so i had sport all around me uh i think uh, i picked the less expensive sport to make sure my dad didn't live on the streets uh so i picked cricket over over four wheels uh but i think for me i was always drawn to bat ball sports i i started playing tennis early on uh my tennis coach told me to come back after i was taller than the net so that sort of pushed me away from the game a little bit um but yeah that there's a there's a picture there you go <laughs> but i mean i think i think you can't stay away from it right i mean my that my brothers probably shoved that helmet on top of my head and and you know it was just part and parcel of of culture in our home and i remember having posters of not sachin tendulkar but i had like graham thorpe and justin langer and andy flower and my brother would always make fun of me because i'd watch sepak takraw which i don't even know how many people would know what sport that is it's malaysian kick volleyball right i used to watch that or table tennis at the asian games so i mean i was just a sport mad kid uh, and i think for me i always knew that that passion would sort of translate and when i chose cricket finally uh, as as the sport that i was sort of taking up professionally it it took me um, a while before i could sort of settle on one but when i did i think i was very focused on on saying okay that's my sport and i'm going to dedicate myself to that but 
Yeah, I mean, sport for me is, is is life, man. It's taught me it's taught me a lot of lessons. It's taught me more than uh, I've learned in in any form of schooling or university. I would say it's so interesting. In fact, two of our founders that have been on the show before you uh, both found their co-founders in sports team that they were playing. Right, nice. one founded in a football team, and I think the other one founded in a cricket team that they were playing. So, and somehow it seems. And by the way, both those founders are AVF portfolio companies. So wow. somehow it seems that yeah. in our portfolio. We've uh, we've got a lot of sports people. Uh, so, but so that means it must it must have been. If anyone here so, is looking for funding from AVF, join a sports team now, basically. Exactly right away. <laughs> That's what you should be doing. But that being said, it must have been difficult for you know to borrow cars from friends, considering there were so many rally car drivers in the family. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and we had a we had a workshop going next door. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, I think we had a very different childhood, right? I had a motocross bike when I was seven or eight years old, uh, and my dad took off the. The speed limiter to make us and allow us to go quicker. Um, I remember we would go to my neighbor's place. And my brother was testing how to do a handbrake turn at the age of 13, and we hit a coconut tree. And I, of course, ran home, being the younger brother, to go complain about him. Uh, and my dad just came back, and I thought, here we go, he's in trouble. And my dad just said, no, hang on, let me show you how it's done. You know, so I mean, that's <laughs> the, the weird parenting. And I think any other parent would think you guys are mad, you're parenting wrong. But look, I think we turned out, we turned out okay, and. Uh, you know, I'm thankful for that sort of upbringing to to learn less lessons in a very different way, in a very practical way, but but also therefore actually understand the value of having uh, you know certain ethics, certain morals, and and how to work for something in a in a particular way, right? I think they were very very clear that if you wanted something, you chase it. But look, we're here to support you, but you've got to then go after it and do a good job of it. Uh, don't come trying to me after it if something goes wrong, right? And I think um, that was always important to us. And you know, I think I think it comes into the first question we'll take from the audience. You know, Divish Gala asks, you know, with a family full of motorsports professionals and enthusiasts, what made you choose cricket instead? It's funny. I think uh, I, like I said earlier, I was just drawn to bat ball sports uh, initially. It was always this hand-eye coordination for me that was uh, very, very uh, quick to come to me. Uh, I grew up playing a lot of tennis, uh, played state-level tennis, played table tennis and badminton quite seriously, and then uh, took to cricket. Uh, and it. I think once I sort of found my my calling within uh, the BB Chandrasekhar Cricket Academy, he passed away sadly last year. Uh, but I captained their academy for five six years, uh, and then I sort of realized that you know I think this is something that uh, I want to chase. And I think till I actually then moved to Australia, I didn't realize how serious that as a profession could be and could take me to you know the IPL and things like that. So um, I think it happened. Quite organically, I, I never stopped playing the other sports. Even today, uh, I just pick up and play every sport I can possibly play. Uh, you know, kid in my apartment complex has a basketball hoop up, and now in COVID times, that's all I'm doing in the evening playing basketball. So, yeah, it started with just and playing. You a look lot. out, and all the videos are all over Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, part of it, part of it. But I think that's the thing, right? I think when you're so surrounded by sport, um, you 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 pick up on different ones, and one sort of just sits with you right and i think for me that was uh, and in india it's not hard for it to be cricket but i think i was quite realistic that if if it didn't and if it wasn't going to take me anywhere if i wasn't good enough at it don't pursue cricket because there's 1.2 billion people pursuing it so unless you're true, true, true. good enough i think it's a it, it, that dream has to have some form of reality as well and, and but you did i i think before you turned professional you became a coach right which which is a very interesting twist uh, to again you know a different way to go through your career but but what i realized that is that you, you coach not not just not the Indian. You, you won the Shahrukh Khan for you know the Indian cricket team and you know, taking them to the final. But you actually coached the Australian cricket team, 
and, yeah. and i would imagine that they, at that time when you were doing it they had such a solid structure you know and here is an indian guy going and going to he's going to go coach the australian cricket team right yeah. i mean i would love to understand how did this all happen so it, and, it was uh, yeah it, it was very strange as you said i think it again i was 18 years old when i moved to australia 17 18 uh, started playing cricket there uh, and then i needed a part time job i needed to make some money uh, and and literally went to the saka the south australian cricket association um did my level 1 cricket coaching uh, certification then followed it up with a level 2 and for my level 2 i had to coach a team full time and this is while i was playing serious cricket as well i was playing against the likes of Sean Tate and Jason Gillespie and Darren Raymond and all oh, these wow. guys um but as part of that i needed to coach right to get my level 2 certification so uh, i joined a women's cricket team as as coach i didn't realize i was going to get the head coach job uh I coincidentally happened to coach uh, Megan Shoot Shelly Nishki Karen Rolton was was part of the league as well and these are all women now who Shelly Nishki and uh, and Megan Shoot have been world number 1 for Australia have won the world cup with Australia I actually saw Megan win the world cup in Bombay not so long ago so it was quite a cool feeling to see that happen um so you know for me I think coaching taught me a lot and particularly coaching women it is very different right the the strengths of women cricketers to men cricketers is very different so it, it taught me a lot about my game how to understand my own game and then I applied that to my own cricket and you know I think it it made me a better cricketer in Australia I then went to England and played professionally there and then came back and got invited by RCB to join uh, their camp ahead of the championship and let's talk about that G- getting into the IPL which years were you there uh, as part of the RCB squad so I was there end of 2009 ahead of the Champions League uh, T20 which was in South Africa so I was part of a squad of 20 which they had shortlisted uh, I literally came in last minute but I mean it was surreal right I grew up in my in my home uh, you know pretending to be Anil Kumble as a leg spinner growing up and here I was suddenly facing Anil Kumble you know and and he was captain of the team then so for me that took a lot of adjusting initially to and then I had to you know after three balls I had to switch in and say hang on you're here because you deserve it so stop looking at Anil Kumble and watch the ball and play the ball right and and once that adjustment happened obviously and I'd been away from home for for 5 years so you know the I didn't really understand the the might of the IPL uh, in 2009 right so when i came straight back into it as a 22 year old it it, it was uh, it was quite something so you had you know virat kohli and anil kumble and shaka ali and mark boucher uh, and all these guys around so yeah it was a very very cool experience i i, I wish it lasted longer and i wish my knee lasted longer uh, unfortunately uh, you know the the surgeries that uh, followed came at possibly the worst time possible uh, but look i think everything happens for a for a good reason in the end No, I, of course, and I think I think you've obviously always brought that out. In fact, I think Danya's on on the show right now. She's like she she says that uh, you know she never realized that you coached the Australian women's cricket team. What well, not the Australian women's cricket Danya, team. Yes, yes, you did, and, and you, you found out. And well, you found out at the Money Talks, just so you know. <laughs> but 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 then so you know, however, getting into something like the IPL and you and, and getting at the ground roots. So you're talking about 2009. I think IPL was just starting to become really, really mainstream, right? And it was it was causing an entire social structure change in India. It was completely redoing the world map when it came to where India was in the cricket world. Uh, and you were, you know, you were obviously seeing this from the inside. So yeah. how how did that help you understand what Kabaddi would do? Or was there any kind of things you could take and say, you know, what I know what's going to happen in Kabaddi? I think um, with Kabaddi was. a little different and, and yeah i think there were lots of learnings from there and and being involved with kabaddi from season 1 and before season 1 began it was so weird right because i had just moved on from 
from sort of being in Chennai and having done a, a film and things like that to and having ended my professional cricket career to suddenly finding myself at Star Sports uh, with this grand opportunity. Uh, and the show that I actually joined Star with went kaput within three months of me joining because India and England were playing a tour and the timings didn't match. So there, here came this opportunity to be a Kabaddi commentator and everyone was hesitant, right? And I said, I've always wanted to be a commentator. You know, it's it's something I think I could do. And I put my hand up and said, hey, I learned Kabaddi again and uh, let's do it. But there was so much hesitation, AD. I remember people around the office at Star, right? Everyone is laughing, saying, oh, what's next? Gilly Danda League, what's next? The Coco League. <laughs> you know, and, and that was sort of the, the feel behind it. But the day before the league started, when we saw the lights go off inside the dome at the NSCI uh, above the stadium, and I remember sitting in the commentary box. I mean, I, I, I've got goosebumps now because I, I, I remember this moment so vividly. I sat there and I turned to my co-commentator and I just said, I think we're onto something, you know, and, and it, there was something about it. There was just something about it in that moment that we realized that, you know, this could be just a big hit. And, and then when day one happened, it, it just blew everyone away. You know, it blew the entire nation away. And I think that's when everyone realized, OK, hang on. This is this is serious stuff. And it hasn't obviously gotten over yet. I think I think Kabaddi is just getting started. Yeah. And I think the 10-year Star Sports contract just came up. And, yeah. and there's a lot of expectation of what's going to happen, I think, uh, when, when these contracts get renegotiated. And, and there'll be so much money getting poured in. Uh, but before we do that, I think there is an, you know, you, you brought it up, but but we have done some research. Okay. And, uh, and let's talk about your attempt at being in front of the camera in a movie, in a movie called Viram. Uh, yeah. Most people may not know this. Uh, so here, here it is. This is what, uh, this is, uh, you know, uh, Suhel in that movie. In fact, Ajit, who's, who's the actor, found you in a short movie that you had done. Yeah. And, uh, and you were, I think there were four brothers in the movie and you were one of yeah. the brothers. Yeah. Uh, and I, all I remember is I, I remember seeing a shot from the YouTube video and I'm going to share the link for everyone to see right now, uh, where, uh, you know, where you're, uh, I think you've got a towel over, over your neck and, and you, you're just wearing jeans. You're in the Salman Khan mode, basically. <laughs> And, uh, and it, it, it was like, you know, it took me a while. I was like, which brother is he? And then you see this big beard, right? And you're like, oh, that's so well. So, so tell me, how did you get this movie? What was the experience like? Um, yeah, so it, it was a funny one, right? I think I went through a really, um, a very dark phase. I think after uh, I lost my cricket career, uh, you know, I went through, I'd say eight, 10 months where I literally, I was living with my parents at the time and, and just didn't see them. I was in one room, locked my room, didn't want to see anyone, didn't want to talk to anyone. Uh, I think lived with a lot of sort of hate, a lot of, uh, um, I don't know, uh, you know, disregard for, for where I was and, and just obviously having worked so hard for a cricket career that I finally could feel was tangibly there with an IPL career. Uh, you know, having that let go, I think was a hard time. So I just, I, I was sort of wallowing in self-pity and finally I think I was doing a lot of introspection, a lot of reading. Uh, and finally, a friend of mine said, what are you doing? You know, wake up, do something with your creative juices. You know, you've loved theater growing up. You've done all of that. You're, you're a funny guy. Put something together and, and literally wrote a series of uh, short films uh, and put them together. Uh, I'm not going to share the link of that. Uh, but, <laughs> oh, my God. But, okay. but I'm going to ask my team to find it before <laughs> the show's over. <laughs> no, the, and oddly enough, I mean, so this this sort of went around um, and, and I wasn't going to put it up. Then my brother and a cousin of mine said, Hey, this is really funny. You've got to put this up, uh, put it up. And obviously it was shared by friends, shared by friends of friends. Uh, and Ajit's wife 
actually got hold of it and Ajit then watched it. And I got a call, uh, and I, I remember this call distinctly. I got a call from Ajit and he said, uh, Hey, Swail, it's Ajit here. Uh, and so I thought it was Ajit from my cricket team. And I was like, Hey, Ajit, how are you doing, man? Da, 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 da. And I went on, right? And, and then he said, This is actor Ajit. And, and then I thought, Hang on, this is, no, no, can't be, can't be, right? Why would he be calling me, sort of thing? And, and look, he, he is, he is, uh, I mean, he's got people following him outside his home, standing outside his home. He's, he's a wonderful guy who I've got a lot of respect for, but I did not expect, therefore, to him, for him to be calling me. And when that happened, uh, he said, look, I, I saw this, really liked it. There's an opportunity to do a, a film. And I think I've, I've, you know, I've got you in mind for, for a role. And would you be interested? Are you still playing cricket? Are you, are you done with that side of your career? Uh, would you be interested? And, you know, I've always been someone that, as I said earlier, I think, believes that everyone, everything happens for a good reason. And when an yeah. opportunity comes, don't shove it aside. You know, knock on that door and barge through it. Uh, and I took it and I said, look, bucket list, tick. Let's do a Tamil movie, you know, and... Uh, it was an it was an amazing experience. I mean, working with Ajit, uh, working with Tamanna and Santanam and uh, the director Shiva, uh, it was it was really quite something. Uh, you know, under pressure there, but also just seeing the magnanimity of, of it. Right? I mean, uh, we had posters that were 100 feet tall of us at the release, and people are pouring milk on the posters and drinking it from under the posters, and all of this stuff. <laughs> it just is is mad, right? It, it's mad, but it's it's real as well, and. Uh, I mean, I remember we we shared a love for biking, so we would ride together from Chennai to Kotagiri and to Hyderabad and things like that. And there were people chasing us and tailing us in in safaris and sumos just to touch him, or or, or they would touch my hand and say, "You've touched him," and I I've now felt Ajit's oh aura through you. And you know, it, it was and it was genuine love for him, right? It was very genuine love, and so all of that combined was just such a crazy experience, and yeah, one that I. I absolutely enjoyed it, really. And, and to see the movie come out the way it did and have the success it did was quite uh, incredible. And, and you know, I, before we get into the success, and this was obviously an awesome success, and there's, um, I've got some stats here for you, but, you know, a lot of the times entrepreneurs forget that <clears throat> that behind every successful entrepreneur, there are years and years of self-wallowing. There's years and years of, you know, you know of frustration, of, of you know, self-doubt, and all these things, you know, to those guys, you know, what, what's your message to them? That, let's say someone in the audience today is going through something like this. What would be your advice to them uh, through this phase? I would say, A, introspect a little bit, understand what you're feeling and what's the worst, right? I think at, at one level, I started to ask myself, what's the worst that could happen, right? I, I might be at my worst here. So from here on, it's only upwards. But I think the key is also to surround yourself with very good people. It's very easy for people to give you advice and you'll get a lot of advice uh, more at that point than you really uh, can ask for. But I think it's to therefore surround yourself with the right advice and people that really you trust, because uh, I think those are the only ones and they'll only be, I mean, I can count them on, on maybe one hand, right? And those are the ones that are giving you advice with you in, in mind, not their own advice, but advice with you and your success in mind. So. I think those are two things for me that I would do. And, and I just went back to things that I lost out on, right? I started reading, I, I read a few really good, uh, I wouldn't call them, uh, you know, self-help books, but I think really inspirational books. Uh, there's one called The Compassionate Samurai, which I really love. I think it's a great book for everyone to read. It just tells you about how to live uh, an ethical life, a life of a samurai and, and with good values. And I think that book for me really spoke to me at that time. And that really lifted me. So. Uh, I think something's got to tick, right? For me, it was that book and I'm not a big reader, so I don't read fiction, but that book for some reason at that point spoke to me and, and lifted me, I think. So each one's the got to The Ethical Samurai. The, the Compassionate so, Samurai. The Compassionate Samurai. 
Yeah. Uh, you know, I would ask my team if they could find a link to the Amazon link to that book and uh, share it in the comments below. So yeah, let then then obviously out of nowhere and we you know from a very chance thing that you did to get and you know thanks to some friends, uh, you get into a movie. And just so you know, guys, the movie was released in 2014. It amassed 58 crores in its first week, right? And I, I think that would have been impressive for a Bollywood movie. Remember, this was a this was from Bollywood, right? Which was the Tamil film industry. The movie grossed total of 147 crores. Was one of the top grossing movies, I think, in the Tamil industry that year. Probably even in the top 10 or 15 movies in India at the time. And that too for 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 not an, for a non-traditional language, right? Which which is Tamil, uh, which obviously would not have been, you know, would have missed out the entire North Indian sector uh, on it. So did did you think the movie would be that big? You know, I think as as it went on, uh, like the film shoots where every picture that was released would just go berserk on the internet. You know, I started understanding the the craze behind it, right? I mean, I, I obviously understood how respected uh, Ajit was in the industry and in the film fraternity, but I, I didn't realize how how crazy this could get. Uh, and um, I, I didn't expect, I mean, I expected big numbers. I, I, I'll be honest, I didn't expect those numbers. I remember going to the you know the first day, first show of, of uh of the film around different theaters we were doing sort of different viewings and i had a cousin of mine from america at the time doesn't speak a word of tamil obviously you know um uh, a white cousin of mine uh, from america he went through six first day first shows at different sort of at different theaters wow. just he loved the craze of it right and and it was just and, and it was just entertaining to to be a part of it to feel the energy of the people and uh and yeah it was just a very positive sort of set of uh you know people's love that was coming your way which was quite incredible so yeah i i didn't expect that level of success uh, for the film uh, look it's, it's all down to ajit and and his uh, reach as well and everything that he did but it was obviously nice to be a small part of it and i think there was a lot of lessons to be learned from there and just spending time with everyone uh, the conversations i had on on set and and shooting over 100 days uh, with everyone there was uh, was really quite quite incredible now after such a big movie uh, and and the kind of result. Why haven't we seen you in some more movies? Why not Bollywood? Um, I, I think you should you should ask Star Sports on that because I think the timing of of Star and again that was just a freakish. Another a friend of mine went into an audition. I just went in with her, thinking, oh, I've got to see Star Sports. It's you know it's Star Sports. My God, I, you know I love sport. I love Star Sports. Uh, I just want to see The Office. And she went in for an audition. As she was leaving, she said, I don't even know why I'm here. I mean, I don't like sport. You guys should talk to Soil. He's not playing sport anymore, and and that's how Star Sports happened in in June 2014, uh, which was a few months after the release of Viram. So when that happened for me, I think that was in many ways the perfect fit, right? I think uh, you know in the movie industry, let's be honest, uh, and there's so much talk of that right now with obviously Sushant and everything else going on. That if you are an outsider to the industry, it is harder. Let's be you know it is harder. I think whether that's because uh, you know, you don't have the, the network base, whether it's also just to be recognized or whether that's in your blood that it's not there. It, it is harder. And I think the volatility of it, therefore, is much higher. Uh, when Star Sports came along, I think for me, it was the perfect uh, sort of alignment and amalgamation of the camera and sport. Uh, and so for me, it was sort of just the perfect unity of both those things that uh, in many ways I love, right? Being in front of the camera and, and sort of sharing uh, thoughts and views, but also having sport be the, the context behind it. So when that happened, I think I made a conscious choice to to make that switch. And, and Star Sports has been a flat out. I mean, I lived out of a suitcase for those first two years. So I didn't have time to really dedicate to, to anything else. And that was 
the first live on-ground interview I did actually, and uh, I wish it was an easier introduction to to live sporting events. But hey, that's as good as it'll come with uh, with Sachin, and it was. It was a very I would experience. say, man, that I, I think I think you should auction that photograph. Yeah. <laughs> we could raise a Series A for Kamadia with that. But, I mean, that, but that was in Guwahati, packed stadium, football, uh, where you know, and and I was told ten minutes before that, hey, Sachin's coming in. Your first interview is going to be with Sachin. I'm going. Uh, thanks, guys. Uh, thanks <laughs> for the heads up. Let me do some research now. But look, that I, the, the thrill of live TV. I think if there was anything today, as someone who had missed out on a potential cricket career. I think the thrill of live TV and the adrenaline rush you get from that is maybe sort of a fraction of, of what that could be. And, and you know, it gives me that little bit of a, a sportsman's high. And you've done amazingly at uh, Star Sports. IPL, Cricket World Cup, Pro Kabaddi League, Wimbledon, French Open Tennis, ISL Football, Rio Olympics 2016, Premier Badminton League, Hockey India League, Cele Celebrity Classico Football, and you, the, you were the presenter and producer for FIA Formula E, which is what yeah. Karun was yeah. also part of for the Mahindra team. Wow, that, that's a mouthful. That's a lot of work in a very yeah. short period of time. I Thank think this you. is like five years of work. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, are you amazed that how, where you were in 2013 or 12 or 13 and yeah. how just a chance of doing short movies, what it has led to? Uh, it's mad. I mean, honestly, I, I feel very blessed. I think, uh, you know, that's why I think every day when, when someone asks me, uh, you know, if tomorrow, if tomorrow I was to lose all, you know, my work, my whatever else, I think, you know, I, I still just look back and think, wow, what an opportunity I've had. Because, you know, look at that one picture, right, of, of me and Sachin. For me, that as a kid, I got a picture of, 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 of me growing up and I'll send it to you after maybe. And unfortunately, I didn't send it earlier. But I've got a picture of me with Sachin and Kambli as a five-year-old, a six-year-old, right? And and I'm beaming there and to, to have that sort of come around and, and be on field. And I've interviewed him a few times. I interviewed him actually at the IPL final last year on the field before the toss between Mumbai Indians and Chennai. And, and you know, for me, that is, is such a huge uh, thrill, right? So, yeah, I mean, when I, when I think back now to think I've done an Olympics or Wimbledon with Sanya, you know, standing with likes of Sunil Gavaskar and Sachin and DVS Lakshman and uh, Sangakara and these guys who... I now play golf with. I mean, I, you know, one of my part of my golfing four ball is Brian Lara, Dean Jones, and Scott Styrus. And you know, oh, wow. and, and today I call them really good friends of mine. And you know, to look back and think this was possible when I was, you know, at an absolute low in 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 that year of 2012 and 2013. I, it's it's just I just feel blessed. And I think uh, I, I will be honest. There's a lot of hard work that goes into it. Today, I think um, you know all the. The random watching of Sepak Takraw and all these other random sports that I watched growing up has, has come to fruition because that, I think, in many ways has enabled me to understand all these other sports, uh, which many other presenters, I guess, don't do. They stick to one sport or two sports. Um, but look, I think uh, it also goes to show when, you, when, you, when, you've, when you've got a dream, you've got to understand that I think that dream and the manifestation of that dream changes paths right along the way. And I think you've got to be able to sort of be fluid enough to move around and, and follow the path and not just have, this is my dream, this is the only way I'm going to reach it. And if, if I don't get there in this manner, I'm done. Um, and that took a while to, to maybe sink in for me. And I think that's the same thing with entrepreneurship, right? There's never going to be that one single straight path. Most, yeah. most entrepreneurs forget that, you know, it, it's success seems to look like it was destined when you look at it from the past tense. Right. When you're, when you're actually in it, you just have no idea which way you're going. You're just sort of, it's like climbing Everest, right? You're just going yeah. up and up and up and up. And you don't know what's in front of you. And suddenly you realize you're at the top of the mountain. Right? Yeah, absolutely. And, and, 
and i think one day can change it right i mean you sign one little partnership with someone and your yeah. entire startup could go from pretty much nothing to something completely different i mean think of someone like house of highlights right he was a random guy who was putting up instagram videos uh one day lebron james commented on his on a on a picture of his that he put up the next day the nba had a you know deal with him going to start using their highlight reels on his page and today the guys you know multi millionaire who and has been bought in so i i just think it takes that one day right that one click we all talk about that little spark and i mean you know this better than than many right you would have seen it with all your your portfolio yeah, companies when you get that one times have i seen a company at this at at, at i mean i can tell my own example when we're running this company in the us down to 10 dollars in our bank account right and you've got a 7000 dollar rent check to pay and you have no idea how the money's going to pass and it, and and then next thing you know you're selling the company like yeah. oh wow what what really happened like you know yeah. and obviously it's the, it's like i think i, I remember there was uh, there's a story about picasso i think where you know he's drawing something uh, at a cafe and a woman asks him for that for what he's drawing and he says you know it's going to cost you 200000 or whatever that number he might have given at that time and she goes wow just for 10 minutes of work you want 200000 like that's not 10 minutes of work that's 20 years of work right in front of you yeah, you know exactly. and and i'm i'm really proud to obviously have someone like you i mean to to converse with you know that you bring that culture to kabaddi adda you know and i think the team especially what happened during covid i think yeah. is a testament to the kind of people that are running kabaddi adda that we made it out through the entire process and i think actually kabaddi adda has come out much stronger and much more resilient i think and and, and i think with a much better business plan than when yeah. we went into covid i think covid was almost like uh, you know the smelter that that you know removed all the impurities and made it into you know yeah. hard metal Yeah, you, thank you. Feel that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, actually, since you're on that, let me just give you some of the numbers, right? From from just COVID times. I mean, our YouTube has, in just COVID, had 29.9 million views. Now we've got two 274,000 subscribers. Um, wow. Following the first three months of lockdown, our Instagram page has had 25 lakh plus views, uh, an impression of over 57 lakh uh, users. You know, so. these are numbers that for us are staggering we've also gone into gaming pivoted there we've managed to get a partner on to to launch super crick which is coming in just before the ipl on on the 12th uh, we've got some kabaddi games coming up and yeah i think you know kudos to everyone that's worked so hard within our kabaddi adda team and uh, to all the other co-founders i think we we all i think we rallied together at the right time and obviously with the support of you guys i think we we understood that we had to act fast and very differently right we we knew that there was not going to be live sport and live kabaddi as a contact sport coming back anytime soon and uh, we sort of applied all the learnings of and that's what's impressive so well all these numbers are coming when kabaddi wasn't being played live yeah. right yeah. i mean you got i mean you guys launched a couple of uh, couple of programs like ghar se panga retro live yeah. uh, you know and those have obviously driven all these yeah. numbers you know so let's yeah. let's get into that let's just talk about like you've been a presenter you obviously you know we've talked about star sports but what inspired you to start kabaddi adda you know it's really funny uh, i used to bump into arvind uh, who's a, a co-founder at kabaddi adda at uh, different ipl auctions so i used to host the ipl auctions and arvind used to work with uh, you know quite closely with csk we still do a lot of data stuff for csk through our, our holding company analytic technology um and you know we 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 sort of used to keep bumping in each, into each other I, we would then meet at the puneri paltan uh, table when he was doing the pro kabaddi auction and we sort of had chats there um and then it sort of sort of led from there into saying 
hey, we're thinking about writing a, you know, Suhail, would you want to write a Kabaddi book with me and, and things like that. So that's sort of where the, the conversation started. But we just got off on the right foot and we just said, hang on this. We want to do something together, right? And we kept sort of thinking about it. We kept bumping into each other once every few months and we say, hey, let's do something, let's do something, let's do something. And then finally, I think, um, you know, the thought process came together to to put Kabaddi Adda, uh, uh, you know, all together. And we had, uh, they sort of started the process and then said, hey, Suhail, would you want to come on board? And and obviously there's there's a lot of value out there. And and I think the team was so, so passionate as well. Uh, we've got a young team, but a super, super passionate team. And I think that's what you need for a young startup. And so that's where it all sort of started. Um, and yeah, I think we, we sort of haven't looked back since. And uh, yeah, I can't say, look, it's it's never smooth sailing, as you know, with, with a startup, it's never going to be all smooth sailing. So there's always still, there's plenty of challenges. Uh, obviously, you know, broadcast rights and all of that come in, comes into the picture. But uh, I think to to just establish yourself as a credible source of information, a credible source of uh, of content and, and develop relationships within the Kabaddi ecosystem, that's sort of been our a big, big uh, takeaway for the first couple of years, right? And I think we've, we've done that uh, to a very high degree. Obviously, uh, Arvind was a second time entrepreneur, but even in his first startup, he was sort of, sort of a, uh, he didn't actually found the company, he was hired as a CEO. So this actually was for the first time, four of you guys getting together and launching a company for the first time. And, and, and even in your career, you've not actually been an entrepreneur, right? And so you, this is the first time for, for all of you guys. And then you come to a first time fund manager like me, Right, it was also you know trying to figure out. Just got a SEBI license, trying to figure out where to put money. We got a little bit of money from investors, and a first-time entrepreneurs meeting first-time fund manager. Right, want to talk about how, what that experience was like and why you chose uh, Artha Venture Fund as for as a partner. So I've got to say the the first-time entrepreneur meeting the first-time fund manager. The first-time meeting went really well. Uh, it, it went better than we thought. I mean, obviously, I think. Um, we, we had done a few uh, conferences in Bombay as well. And I think our pitch was when we sort of got noticed first up by um, so, you know, uh, colleagues of yours as well. And I think that's sort of where uh, our introduction to Artha came in and we met uh, you know, a couple of people from your team there. Uh, but obviously, I think we, we did a little digging and to understand that there was a very Bharat uh, aligned uh, thought process at that time from a lot of your portfolio companies as well. And, and I think uh, you know, when we sort of put our entire pitch deck together. We didn't expect it to, to maybe go as, as smoothly as it did when we got into the room, I think. Uh, and from, from me talking to now a lot of other founders and a lot of other entrepreneurs, I don't think people have gone to a table and actually come out of it saying, hang on, you've got pretty much convinced either the VC and come away with a good feeling of saying, I think we've got a deal on our hands that we're both happy with. Right. And I think, that sort of was, yeah, that, that's, a, yeah. that's our confirming the deal in, in writing, which, uh, as we all know, takes, takes time to sort of process the paperwork and stuff like that. But I think to just go into that first meeting, I'll, I'll sort of, for everyone watching, uh, maybe just give you a refresher of how it could go for you. And, and hopefully, fingers crossed, it goes as well as it did with us, uh, with, with AD and, and with Atta. But I remember sitting in that conference room and, uh, you know, pitching to, to you and Arvind being the um you know the the numbers guy and me being the the marketing sort of guy who understood the sports side of it and you know we we had all these strategies in place which after a point actually just went out the window because we were just having a conversation we were answering con uh, you know question your questions quite honestly as much as we could and uh, sort of talking about what we thought was the scope of kabaddi and uh what we really liked was a your passion for sport your understanding of of sport and sort of the the ecosystem as well but but also you you guys, I mean, we got a feeling that it was a very supportive environment. Uh, and, you know, what's most pleasing is that 
12 months or longer down the line, we still have that feeling, right? And I think uh, that is something that you don't often get with VCs. Uh, there's, you know, there's so many other things that could go that could go one way or the other. And even through COVID times, I think the the con the continuous check-ins from you guys, or whether it's uh, you know, can you can you put us on to someone else, and that immediately happens. Is that instantaneous um, sort of cohesive approach between a VC and and us as as a, the startup? I think that for us really, really was encouraging. And and I remember literally on that table, literally, I mean, I, I think we, we pretty much closed the deal on our on our first meeting just knowing. Yeah, we were done. I think it was just it was just semantics after that, right? So, yeah. you know, we both knew we were gonna make this thing happen. It was just yes. like, okay, now the lawyers need to figure it out. Yeah. But yeah, I, I think I think it, it, you know, what I really liked was that there was a lot of clarity of thought. Yeah. Uh, and, and you know, uh, obviously introduced by Karan Maheshwari, who's a school right. friend of mine. I think he was uh, he worked with Arvind at Arvind, McKinsey. Right. And it, what really helped was that you know you all came with a very clean deal. You're like, okay, listen, we, we want we want to do what's right, what's yeah. fair, and and this is what this is how much money we need. And I think that all of that combined, I was just like, you know what, if you if you're not going to support entrepreneurs like that, I don't think we need to be in the VC business in the first place. And and it it, it really was um, the overall. I, I think really uh, it's been an enjoyable uh, you know <clears throat> eighteen months that we've been together. I think yeah. now at this point. And I, I think as as we go along, I, what really truly surprises me is that the amount of opportunities you guys are opening up yeah. as, as as we go along. And I'm very excited about this leg, you know, this whole uh, crick, crick, super crick game, and then obviously uh, watch play win that we're going to talk about. You know, yeah. all this stuff is very very exciting, and you know, I never thought this would happen. I think, and I think this is a direct product of uh, of COVID that this whole idea actually uh, actually came in. You know, so you, so you know, so help for, for, with that. You know, maybe tell us a little bit about what's this new game, what's this thing, what's this new beta you guys are launching, uh, and what yeah. is it about? How can people participate? Yeah. So Super Crick is what uh, it's called. Uh, it, it is not a fantasy game, but it's actually an online cricket simulation game. Uh, you know, all of us sitting at home, and I think COVID has taught us that, right? There's so much that goes on where you can't just rely on on fantasy sport. Uh, there's there are times where there's not going to be live sport. So what do you do to keep a fan engaged at that point? And I think. Fan engagement is a big one, right? You, I, I read a report recently, which was very interesting. It said 81% or 79% of people uh, within the age group of 16 to 45, when they're watching television, watch with a second device in their hand, right? And I think for yeah. us, uh, and for me, that was a big eye-opener, right? To, to, and that sort of feeds into the watch, play, win, and to Super Crick. And, and that means you've got to keep a fan engaged, right? And, and they're also looking for other stuff to do. Um, so here comes Super Crick, which is an online cricket simulation game. It's based on skill and strategy, but it's also based on our cricket simulation tool, which uh, we're very proud about. It's our proprietary tool, which is actually based on historical real data of IPLs, of tournaments that all of these guys have played. And so it's very real simulation that you get. So all of us uh, have this habit of screaming at the, at the TV screen saying, hey, MS Dhoni, I could have done that better. You shouldn't have bowled, uh, you know, so in Harbhajan Singh in the 17th over, you should have bowled, uh, you know, someone else, uh, Karan Sharma or someone else in the in the 17th or Virat Kohli. How could you have made that judgment call of sending someone else at at number three, right? And we're giving you the opportunity to make those calls in the palm of your hand. So with Super Greg, what you can do essentially is change the outcome of a match based on your inputs. And there's two versions of it. There's a quick match where you just set your batting order and your bowling lineup. Uh, and it simulates the first half, and then at at the mid-game break, you you set up you know whether it's your batting first or second, uh, your batting order or bowling lineup. But then the play-by-play, -play, I think, is where it gets even more um, you know interesting. You you get to pick 
your bowler for every over, you you pick the next batsman in and and it simulates the game and it, it sort of just gives you an idea of what could be different, could be done different. Uh, and obviously then you know who you could have picked differently. Could you have played three spinners instead of two and, and things like that. So what, what it actually does, it also facilitates fantasy gamers, right? If I was someone who was playing Dream 11 or my team 11, I would say, hey, let me run this match through Super Greek. Let me play five games of Super Greek and think about what the output of this is and use those learnings to then pick my best team for Dream 11 or my team 11. So I think, uh, you know, you've got a lot of people now, a lot of gamers online on YouTube doing coaching videos for your, your PUBGs or your, uh, you know, Call of Duty and for your fantasy games. Here's literally a live coaching tool to facilitate better choices on each of these fantasy tools to make you earn more money in the end as well. Wow. And, and this is this is free? Are you guys charging for this game? How does it work? Yeah, so it's, it's free to play uh, at the start. Uh, we, we also have coins that you will earn on the side. We're trying to sort of team up at this point with a couple of e-commerce platforms. Hopefully that will come through soon uh, to maybe then utilize the coins that you earn on the e-commerce platforms too. So uh, we, we reward you with, uh, with, a, with a, I think, 10,000 points when you, when you start things off. And, and so you've got that going. Uh, and I think it's about appetite, right? I think that's why the freemium model works. When you when you sort of come, some, when you when you got uh, you know a gamer coming in, they want to get a sample of it before they pay for anything, right? And I think that's where for us we we wanted that to to be unlocked first and give people a sample of what it is because it is a very different product to what is out there in the market at the moment. And and obviously, Supercrick is now an app, or because I remember it was earlier a website. Now it's a is it an app? It what's is- coming up? It is still a website. Uh, it, I think it runs smoother as a website. It, it's it's cleaner, so it's still supercrick.com. Uh, we've got the beta version uh, up. Ignore the front end; that's going to change drastically in the next uh, five to six days. But on September twelfth is when uh, we'll have our full thorough launch of it, and uh, it's exciting. So www.supercrick.com, right? What do you what do you, what's the correlation of this with Kabaddi? I mean, this is you're going back to cricket now. Well, you know, I think COVID makes you uh, do funny things. I think in, in adversity, we saw opportunity, right? I think uh, that's all it was. I think we, so where we started things off was actually talking about a Kabaddi game uh, and that's still happening. But we thought, hey, we've got so much of these learnings from our Kabaddi game and we're so well versed there. But we've also got the experience of our team having helped CSK with, uh, you know, auctions at the IPL for years and years. We've got all that data collected from the IPL. Let's do something with that. Let's put our, our minds together. We've got a great team. I mean, Danya, uh, you know, has an AI brain on her and Srikant, uh, who's part of our co-founder team as well. Uh, he's He's got the IIT brain on him as well. And, you know, we've got Arvind and myself. And I think what's nice about our, our four co-founding partners is that we're all very different, right? We each bring a very different skill set. So in, in that sense, none of us is overlapping on the other. And I think because you've got four different skill sets coming together, you actually get to pick the best of each part of uh, you know, one side of it, whether it's the marketing and and sort of product design and, and business sort of partnerships from me or the business side of it and the numbers from Arvind or the AI and the machine learning side of it from Arvind and uh, from Danya and Srikanth. We've got four very different elements coming together. So we thought, you know, why not? The IPLs are on the corner. That's probably going to be the first event that's going to open things up. And it's sort of we anticipated this early on. And, and, you know, kudos to our entire team for anticipating that, you know, the IPL will most likely happen, uh, you know, around this time, and we 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 worked overnight to put a game together, pretty much overnight. So what we're going to do is now is that let's let's move out over to the rapid fire side. This is, as I said, the only part of the entire flow that I've not talked to you about. Uh, I'm going to ask you a series of questions. 
whatever first comes to mind, you need to yeah. answer them right away. And, and, and then we'll probably delve into it deeper. So question number one, and this is a question that I ask every founder. One thing that you know to be true, but very few people agree with you on it. Oh, one thing I know to be true and very few people agree um, that there are good VCs around. Oh, wow. Wow. That's that. It's true. Actually, I, I mean, I, I do believe that, that uh, you know, that I have personally met and not just in India, but outside, uh, you know, VCs that actually have so much care for the entrepreneur. Yeah. And, and are actually putting up a body of work which will obviously exist years and decades after they leave. So yeah, I completely agree with you on that. Uh, so one piece about entrepreneurship that you received and you still follow that today. Be persistent. Uh, don't expect things to happen overnight uh, and just keep digging, keep grinding. Yeah, it, it takes 10 years to be an overnight success. That's what I would yeah. say, yeah. yeah. Uh, in order of importance to you, uh, team, founder, customers, investors, how would you put that in order of importance with the most important at the start and the least important at the end? Team, uh, customers, founders together, I would say. Investors, I think if you get the first three done, I think the investors will be taken care of. Uh, and, that's why I, and that's why I have investors at the end. Not that they're not important. I mean, I think investors are the most important peg and you value them. But I think if you focus on the first three and you yeah. don't actually focus on the investor, then that just takes takes care of itself. No, I completely agree. I, I think shareholder returns are always derivatives, right? The, the, if you get, if you get, I think the customer, right. And you've got the team team there yeah. uh, and the founders, I, I think after that, everything else, the investors will obviously be yeah. part of it. Many, many people don't realize that actually uh, your cust your, your investors team and, and your founders are actually investors in, in the company yeah. in, in the first yeah. place. Too. So and I think, also, is, I mean, I think a lot of people don't realize there's so much of a chase to raise money, right? But I think the trouble is once you raise money, the actual work starts there, right? And exactly. Exactly. You've got to understand that once you raise money, it's not, hey, job done, I've raised money. It's actually then that the pressure starts. So uh, the work and the pressure starts just after that. Uh, if you could pick the brain of one person for 24 hours, ask them anything you ever wanted, Ooh. who would it be? Wow. Um, oh, man, that's a tough one. I'll come back to that. <laughs> it's rapid fire. You can't come back. Uh, to this. Uh, I would actually say maybe Nelson Mandela. Nelson. Okay. And why? What would you want to uh, learn from him? I mean, just the ability to forgive after everything that he was put through. Right. I think the ability to forgive and come back and, and be the way he was after. I mean, it just, I mean, it's mind blowing, man. When you read some of the stuff that he went through to then come out and actually accept the same people that put him through it. Uh, wow. I mean, just the the stories that you could get out of that would be sensational. And I think that for me would, would really appeal. I think Vivian Richards would be the other one that maybe I would love to to share uh, 24 hours with this. He would have some wild stories. That's oh, all. Yeah. It's from some to with some Caribbean rum, I think that would yeah, be exactly. great 24 hours. <laughs> Old Jamaican and Vivian Richards would be a brilliant conversation. But that being said, I think Mandela, obviously, not only did he forgive his own demons, uh, the people that demonized him, but but I think the fact that he could use that to to, to heal an entire nation, right? An yeah. entire nation that was uh, under apartheid for you know over a hundred years, right? Yeah. So yeah, great pick. By the way, no one's ever picked Nelson Mandela. But uh, my, my outside great. my outside pick would be Donald Trump, and I'd have a rapid fire for twenty four hours with him. Just <laughs> <a few hours. laughs> 
<laughs> I'd love a video of that. You have to get a video of that whenever that does happen. Besides your startup, what is one thing you're obsessed with right now? Sport. Always Sport. obsessed. Yeah. Um, yeah, I play golf. I'm addicted to golf at the moment. It's the one thing that's opened up again. So yeah, golf. Uh, what is something most people would be surprised to find out about you? And I, obviously now they know they play tons of sports. So. Uh, I am an absolute foodie. I, I love food. I, I live to eat. Um, Are you serious? I, I, I can't believe that you, 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 you would eat. You're like, I was 22. Lead, lead. <laughs> wow. <laughs> um, yeah, a, a massive love for food and, and cooking. I love cooking as well. Yeah. And, and you know, on that, I think the next question, I, this is the first time I'm asking it, but, but I've always believed that there are two kinds of pain. There's the pain of regret and the pain of discipline. And the pain yeah. of regret, you know, weighs tons, and the pain of discipline weighs ounces, right? So, is there is there is there one regret that you still carry carry with you today? Yeah, I I, I don't believe people who say I live with no regrets and I have no regrets. I mean, I, I think you always have. I think my one regret was not fulfilling my potential as a cricketer. I think uh, you know I was on the cusp. I had the opportunity. Uh, you know, whether it's my knee let me down, and then I I pushed it too hard too early, and I didn't have the knowledge of. How to go about my physiotherapy the right way or, or you know I, I was too excited to get back to the ipl and things like that my one regret is that i think it, it it still pricks me right when i see friends of mine playing the ipl or i'm interviewing a, a guy i used to play cricket with uh, you know and and you know i think man what could have been right and 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 i think you never get to therefore display where your game actually was so yeah uh, it's a pity that i didn't actually get to get a a, a full season or a game a few games in in, in the ipl or in uh, ranji trophy you always carry those kind of regrets and and completely agree with you and but but i guess i guess that that those are the kind of things you learn from that in the next phase of life when you're doing when you're doing something like a kabaddi yeah. which is obviously so far ahead of its time right? yeah uh, you, you you then gain that patience so you probably yeah. were getting prepared for today yeah back then. It, it also it also taught me the biggest most profound lessons of my life right i think uh, the 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 darkest phase taught me the biggest lesson that i've now carried forward and applied to every other part of my life and to relationships and everything else. So yeah, I think uh, I, I look back and that's a regret, but it's also been the biggest lessons. And what is one book that you're reading right now? Uh, right now, I'm actually reading nothing. I, I'm just not in a reading mind space at all. Um, but uh, yeah, I reread actually Compassionate Samurai um, because I just wanted to go through it again. Uh, and I actually wrote an article about it recently. So I think uh, I dove back into that just because I think COVID was a time to to reflect a little bit and go back to you know what's important to you. So yeah, I think that's again a book that I literally went back to two weeks ago. To, to be honest, I'm going to download that book right after the show and I'm going to read that because I'm going to break next week. So that's right. going to be a book I'm definitely going to read. So thank you for that. So with that, rapid fire is over. We can you know take a, take a calm breath uh, now. Uh, but, but that being said, you know, I really... It's amazing how much I have found out about you, even after knowing you for 18 months, right? Yeah. And uh, amazing story. I mean, before we before we end, and you know, we're, we're at the hour hour limit now. Uh, Suhel, is there is there anything you want to say to people? Like you know, sort of leave them with uh, you know, uh, maybe if if your life was your message, what would that message be? I think uh, you know, someone reminded me of this recently, and it was uh, I read it somewhere as well. Is to be like water. And I think that really recently, it just really resonated with me. Uh, you know, be fluid, be fluid and, and, and be like water, you know, because I think uh, when when you when you look at water and the biggest and the most incredible aspects of water, it's it's fluidity, 
right? When when it sees an obstacle, it finds a path around it. When it hits a, a roadblock, it, it weaves a way around it, right? And our life is going to be full of challenges, obstacles, times when you're just going to be flattened and you, you feel like the whole world is crashing. And, and it's happened to each of us, right? I, I You know, I, I don't like to use the words depression and all this stuff loosely, but I'm saying you're going to, everyone goes through, you yeah. know, uh, bad times and I think it's how you bounce back from those times that that you're going to have to be tested on right and uh, you've got to be able to change your dreams and change the way your dreams manifest I think a lot of people say oh I had this was my dream and I didn't get there but along that way if you actually open your eyes to opportunities I think there's reminders that your dream could actually take a different direction and follow and come back to that path just from a side route and I think you've just got to be able to be fluid enough to take those opportunities. So yeah, I would say, um, yeah, embrace change, uh, enjoy change and believe that things happen uh, for the good. You know, whether you see it now, or whether you see it in 10 years, it's there's some some reason behind it. You've got to trust life. So yeah. I think that there isn't a better way for me to end today's show. Be like water, be like Sohel. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Good night. Thanks, guys.